Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the Society for Nautical Research, in partnership with Lloyd's Register Foundation, I'm Sam Willis. And this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mariner's Mirror podcast. Today, we have a cracker of an episode for you. I was lucky enough to meet the excellent Morris Henderson. Morris is a fiddle player from Shetland who has done a great deal of work exploring the musical legacy of the Shetland whaling in the Arctic. From the period in the 18th and 19th centuries when whale ships from Shetland played a crucial role in the economic and cultural history of Scotland by undertaking huge numbers of whaling voyages to the Arctic in search of the whale oil that was so crucial for street lighting and the textile trade. Morris has tracked down the history behind some of those tunes and is doing his best to ensure that those Greenland tunes survive. Without further ado, here is the wonderful Morris and his wonderful music. It has indeed inspired me to go to Greenland to try and find some evidence of these surviving Scottish tunes myself. Morris, it's lovely to speak to you today. Oh, it's great to join you here. <laughs> So uh, tell me about the links between Shetland and the Greenland whalers. Yeah, well, with Shetland, when you're going back to the 19th century and even a bit further back than that, it was a main port in Lerwick for whaling ships to stop, stopping here on their way north. So the, you would get ships sailing up from Hull and Whitby and from Scotland as well, from Peterhead and Aberdeen and Dundee, of course. And they would sail up and they would stop in Lerwick Harbour here, which is a great sheltered harbour, and they would pick up crew. And that was the, the main thing. Was, well, the Shetlanders were renowned as being great handlers of small boats, having been involved in this deep sea fishing with small open boats. So they were ideal for joining the whaling crew. So they, they sailed past and just picked pick, pick, pick you guys up and then carried on up into the Arctic. Yeah, it was kind of last stop before the North Ice. So they would, coming into Lerwick, you would get uh, Shetland Main travelling into the, the town. They would be coming from all the islands. And uh, this yeah. would usually be in about in April time. And they actually call it the Greenland Days. So it was a, a time of year, everyone would have been, the word would have uh, got to Shetland that the ships were on their way. And, and work was coming. You know? Yeah, and they would head for Lerwick trying to join a good ship. 
get there in plenty of time and try and sign on for a good crew or, or with a good captain. Yeah. So, I like that idea of there being kind of rumours about there being good ships to get on and everyone would be panicked because you've got you've got to get on the you know the, the Mary Jane or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, oh, oh for sure. There was, there certainly you didn't want to get in a boat that was going to leak the whole way and you'd maybe have to pump the water out all the way to Greenland. <laughs> so there were, it's a lot. It's, it's a long way from Shetland to Greenland, isn't it? Is, it? I mean, yeah. It, yeah. And if, it could be a few weeks if it, the wind was in the wrong direction. <laughs> you could be tacking all your way to Greenland. It could take a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, I mean, what do we know about... Are, are there many um, kind of accounts and stories and letters? Is, 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 I'll, I'll ask a different question, actually. Are you, are you on Shetland really kind of conscious of this heritage, this link with the Greenland whalers? Yeah, well, I suppose me growing up in Shetland just... Uh, Every person in Lerwick, everyone probably had heard of the Greenland whaling. A lot of that's through the music. Uh, there's one of the first tunes you learn on the fiddle, the Merry Boys of Greenland. And uh, nearly everybody knows that tune, or someone would say, oh, play, strike up the Merry Boys of Greenland. And there's even a little song verse that goes with it. And I think even that, suddenly you know the place Greenland, you know about the whaling. And it, it's kind of, you're brought up with that in the background. Now, folk might not know all the details about it, but yeah. uh, they, I would imagine a lot of folk would have a great-grandfather or that would have been at the Greenland days. And probably uh, my grandfather, he was at South Georgia, but there's a tremendous lot of people in Shetland had uh, ancestors who were at South Georgia or Greenland at the whaling. So, it, yeah. yeah, and if they were... Maybe a boat steerer or something. Uh, somebody that was well known for that. That, that story should have been handed down. And so no real family links and real family heritage. That's uh, it's extraordinary. I mean, I I can in, in in my my experience. I mean, I come from a, a naval family, so I know that uh, you know, so generations and generations of my family were in the navy. And I suppose the equivalent for you guys is that uh, you know, off they went into the whaling trade, which is a um, a, a, such a such a unique trade, a unique experience. Do you guys know much about um, what it was like for them to go on this on 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 their journeys and to hunt these whales? Well, it was it certainly. Uh, you can think of somebody who's well. They're used to fishing. That most of them would have been at the out with the small boats fishing, which was a real hardy living as it was, and very mm. dangerous. So, in some ways, going on a bigger ship with a bit more timber around you. Wasn't wasn't so bad, but then once you got up to the ice and and up hunting the whales, you were actually off in the small boats making chase with a with a huge animal in the water, uh, not for the faint-hearted. So and no. the conditions up there, um, some say the the Shetlanders were kind of cheap labourers. Well, they weren't maybe got the same quarters as the as the obviously the crew and the, the main crew and officers, but. Conditions could be harsh, and often they would get stuck in the ice up there and have to, uh, well, if they had to winter out there, they would at least they might spend considerable time there on rations, uh, in case they were going to get stuck all winter on the ice. So yeah. there's no question. A lot of them, uh, they they found it was pretty tough going, tough tough conditions up there. Were there any Shetland whaling ships, or did they all come from somewhere else and just sort of fly by and pick people up? No, they were. They were all coming into Shetland and picking the mm. picking the crews up, so there was no actual Shetland whaling ships. Um, no, no, it was, it was mostly, uh, as you say, from 
well, Hull was a... The, in the early days, it was more English whaling ships because the Scottish crews sourced their crew from their home ports. And uh, later, then the Scottish boats as well stopped here and picked up crew. What about... Were there any, were there any Dutch whalers or anything, anything coming from Northern Europe? Not stopping in here, but earlier, still, if you go back then, the Dutch were prominent up there in the North Ice whaling, but I think mm. they tended to go direct from uh, their own ports and up and up there. They um, were up to more Svalbard and a different, a yeah, more kind of directly north. They had a you base. Guys went, went, yeah. They had a base up there, a, a village. And uh, on the west of Greenland, there's places that have connection with Dutch names as well. Mm. Prior to the Danes being there, there was a bit of rivalry up, up there. Who would the Danes settled in the west of Greenland to try and basically hold the fort there for for whaling stations, and quite often the Dutch would come along and burn them out if they were abandoned. So that there was a bit of a to and fro in with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you got the the British fleet and the Dutch and the Danes. They were all going up there and and probably a, quite a rivalry between them, who had yeah. claim claim to these waters. Uh, and uh, I think the fascinating thing here as well, you've got the um, the, the Shetlanders providing the, the manpower and wherever people go, music goes. It's very rare that, that people go anywhere and there's nothing behind. And um, I, I, I really wanted to talk to you about this because you've been doing some research into um, what, you know, what remains of the Greenland tunes. Yeah, well, we have this repertoire of tunes in the Shetland fiddle tradition and there's, there's a handful of tunes we call the Greenland tunes and they were taken back by whalers or played up at the North Ice by the whalers and, and it was uh, if you were a fiddle player you were quite sought after especially if you were half decent then, you, then they would want you aboard ship and for entertainment and uh, it's quite fascinating when you, I started looking into it I wondered well if, is there any accounts of them meeting in with the locals up there or what happened up in the ice when they arrived there and there's some brilliant uh, anecdotes of uh, ships arriving in uh, but the Arctic Circle the, there's a place up there well at Holsteinsburg was the Danish name for it but the Shetlanders called it Wallafjord and that, that's derived from a earlier name of Vedafjord for the Dutch and they, they would arrive up there and maybe have to tie up alongside the ice flows and there's accounts of the the Greenlanders coming off with dog sled, maybe accompanied by the Danish commissioner that's up there. And then they would clear a twin decks and uh, the fiddles would come out and the dancing would start. And they could easy dance 10 or 12 hours. Uh, they said the women were great dancers. They would dance 10, 12 hours without fatigue. Yeah. And uh, obviously it was, uh, they, were being expect they were expected about this time after they would have been arriving the same time each year and they got a welcome when they got there. And it's quite a social occasion. And, yeah, and I like that. I like that. It's something to look forward to. It's not yeah. these kind of random events of people turning up and it all works with the cycle of the seasons, doesn't it? Yeah, and they describe um, going into what they call the ballroom, which was really an, an old <laughs> barn or an old shed. They probably cleared out the barrels of blubber casks and stuff and just cleared it out and made a, a dance floor. And they, there was a description of 60 to 80 people crammed in there and then the, a, three fiddles up at the end of the room and a flute and a drum. And uh, some of them would have been Greenlanders as well because the, the fiddles, uh, 
travelled up there and the locals took on the music and were great players as oh, well. Brilliant. So you got this interaction with the, the local musicians and uh, they described the, the dance and they kind of weaved, the women weaved in and out. And we have a, a dance here in Shetland called the Shetland Reel and it's three couples designed for a small room like a croft house or a small farmhouse and uh, you get the three couples and they do a figure of eight and then the second half they do a step dance. So it's kind of similar to what was being described up there. Hmm. So there's, so there's another whole story of dancing here as well. We can we can uncover. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's time you played a tune. Actually, yeah. I, I, can't, I well, can't carry on talking without listening to something. Well, I'll 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 fire up a tune right then. But this is uh, this is a couple of tunes. The first one called Oliver Jack. And then I'll go into one called The Merry Boys of Greenland, which is probably one of the most famous whaling tunes from, from around here. Absolutely amazing. I love that so much. I have deep admiration for you. I, lo- <laughs> I, I just don't understand how people can play the fiddle. No, I've never been able to understand it at all. And um, I, I can play anything uh, with strings sideways. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Uh, but I can't, I can't play the piano. So I can play the banjo and the ukulele and the guitar. That's fine. Well, piano that's or fiddle, no chance. <laughs> uh, when well, did you learn to play that? Well, Not that song. When did you learn to play the fiddle? Um, I've been playing the fiddle since, yeah, I... I was probably about 12 or 13 or something like that. Is that a family tradition as well? Uh, Dad can turn a tune on the fiddle and he actually makes fiddles as well as a hobby. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's in the yeah musical family. My mum plays the piano and we had a house uh, that was popular for folk would come along and have sessions and tunes in the house. Mm. So it's always been a pretty lively, yeah. lively place to be brought up. Wonderful. Well, what do we know about those two tunes then? So the, the Merry Boys of Greenland, I mean, there's, there's a, a song that was kind of composed after, related, using the melody, um, but uh, Oliver Chack and the Merry Boys, they were just, they're kind of known all over Shetland. So you would have had those fiddlers mixing with folk from all, you get tunes in, in Shetland, <laughs> uh, you'll get a tradition from the island of Unst, 
and then you'll get tunes from repertoire from Yell, a neighbouring island. And in those days, travelling between these places was quite rare. They were all quite remote. Yeah. Uh, but the certain tunes you find all over Shetland, and uh, some of the, those examples being the whaling tunes or the Merry Boys of Greenland. There's one called Willafjord. I mentioned the place before, but there's a tune called Willafjord, and that was, uh, we know that was taken back uh, Bobby Peterson, the late Bobby Peterson, a great fiddle player, his father took it back from the whaling, Greenland whaling days. And uh, that was, he played it up there on the North Ice. Now, we don't know who composed these tunes, whether they were, they just learned it from another fiddler, or if the fiddler had actually modestly probably composed it, and, or they picked it up from uh, another ship. And So they, they could be from anywhere. And there's maybe a related tune that's played in, in, in another part of Scotland or something. I don't know. But uh, we, we know them as yeah. the Greenland tunes. Yeah. Uh, They've got their own though. kind of heritage, haven't they? Yeah, I could play you a bit of Wallafjord. Uh, Go on then. Let's but hear it. Nobody, that was the thing, the, the place, Wallafjord. I would ask folk about it and say, oh, where about is this? And they would say, oh, it's in the Arctic. <laughs> or it's in Greenland somewhere. They couldn't pinpoint where it was, so that kind of intrigued me. And the more I read into old log books and accounts of folk sailing up, then you would find reference to Vedafjord and Wellyfjord and so on. And managed to track it down, but I'll play you the tune. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, Wellyfjord. was a wonderful one yeah <laughs> yeah that's got a, a great swing to it that tune a great lift yeah. to it i kept the tempo doing a bit probably more like a dancing dancing tempo so you would dance a shetland reel to that yeah i mean did, did the did kids growing up in shetland get kind of exposed to this this music and this heritage quite early on oh yeah uh, the the fiddle is really popular and lots of children at school learn the fiddle you get lessons at school and also there's private lessons, you can get a lot of tutors out there and yeah, there's literally hundreds of fiddle players. It's very <laughs> popular. So those tunes would be some of the first ones you would learn. You would, those are must-know tunes, are the, are the yeah. Greenland tunes. Do you think it's, um, 
I'm just wondering whether it's sort of slightly disjointed, obviously, you know, sort of playing it in Shetland rather than playing it in Greenland. And it'd be quite fun to be able to go and play those those tunes in Greenland. Yeah, well, I did make a trip up there and I took, oh. I, I made a trip up to Willowfjord. I went to see it, checked the place out for myself and uh, I arrived there the first night and I, the, I was staying Airbnb and the, the lady I was staying with, she was an excellent host and she said, oh, come down to the music venue, there's an open mic night. So I, I literally went down and went up and played the tunes on the stage and I said, well, I'm here for a, about 10 days, so if there's any dancers around or anybody that's interested in this tunes, just look me up, Shetland Fiddle player here in Sissy Mate, it's the name of the town. And uh, it didn't take long, it was a small town, the word to get around. So we actually managed to one night, it was... About 11 o'clock at night, and I'd built a makeshift dance floor outside the house. Got the uh, sheets of plywood for the local council and some pallets, and we made a dance floor outside. And uh, some of the dancers came along. There's a guy with an accordion, and uh, he struck off a tune. It was actually a bit of a, like a Greenlandic version of a Hank Williams song. <laughs> so it wasn't really what I was expecting. It was kind of like Cold Cold Heart, Hank Williams style, but of a Greenlandic words. So we sat on, we had a few sing-song and a few tunes, but as soon as I played the reels, the folk, you could see their feet tapping, and they knew what to do, kind of how to move to the tunes. And so they said, right, we'll go outside and try this dance. I had no idea what they were going to dance. So I struck up those tunes, the ones I've just played there, Wallafjord, and the Merry Boys of Greenland, Oliver Chack, and immediately they joined in with a dance, and they had... Uh, the man and two women, and the man and two women. So that's what the two, two uh, groups of three. And they did a, went around for eight, back for eight, and then they did like a figure of eight. And as they did that, they did a back step or a step dance. So it was very right. similar form than the dance we have at home. And by the did second time... Did they all know time, it? Or was there a, was there a caller kind of telling them what to do? No, they just danced, danced it. And uh, by the second time through the tune... Then they had the tune in their head and they were banging it out with the feet. So they huh. just matched the, they picked it up. So that was, to me was just brilliant. I was like, one more time, go again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful. I think we should do that again. I think we should, we should try and get, get us up to Greenland. I want to go. Oh, yeah. Go. I've, been very, I've been very close. I've been to the Denmark Straits. Um, okay. the, you know, the water in between Iceland and Greenland, but I never actually made it to Greenland. We got well, stuck I, in the ice. I always say, well... <laughs> Chapter two would be to take a, a group of Shetland fiddlers up there and uh, mm. and maybe even some a couple of dancers as well and uh, make make something of it. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That'd be something yeah, that, else. Sounds, that sounds fun. I'd, I'd, I'd love that as well. I mean, uh, you're saying that, you know, you guys in Shetland are very conscious of the... Um, your links with Greenland. Do you think it's the same the other way around? No, I think nowadays, it's, uh, I don't think they probably, it's, it's kind of, they know about it. They know the, about the Scottish whalers coming up or the whalers, but it's a, it's a bit further back in the history now. And there's mm. been a, I suppose in, in between that times, there's been cod fisheries and there's been all sorts of different fisheries that's kind of gone Beyond it. I suppose the last whalers, I think 1911 was the last Dundee whaler that went up there. So you're talking, and they, even then it had faded, it, it was really just a few ships to end up with. So you're talking 1820s, uh, that time 1830s was when it was really, uh, you get up to 60 whalers maybe heading up. So yeah. It was, uh, yeah, in fact, I did read somewhere that in one year, Scoresby had estimated 1,400 men joined the whaling from Shetland. And that's so, a huge proportion of, of your, your menfolk, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, and how uh, long were they gone for? How, it was a bit, it's a bit like the First World War. How long, how long were all the men <laughs> gone for? So, they, yeah, they, they all headed in April, probably back in September. That hmm. type of, that kind of length of time. It's amazing. So, I wonder if there's many accounts of, of the women folk and the kids, you know, back in Shetland sort of, you know, ploughing on with their own lives in the absence of men, probably having a nice time. <laughs> yeah, well, generally in Shetland, the women ran the farm. The women looked after the the croft and the animals and did all that hard graft, delling in the fields, and the men tended to go to the fishing, and mm. uh, they would go to the handling fishing. So they were, obviously they would help in the farm as well, but really the the women were in charge of that in the, in the home life, so... So what sort of fishing were you, apart from the whaling, what sort of fishing was going on in Shetland? Yeah, at that time it was what they called the half fishing. And it, these were, uh, you're in an open boat, maybe 30 foot open boats with six oars mm. called the sixering. And they would row or sail off to the fishing, which could be 20 miles off deep sea fishing. And they would set a long line, which would be uh, maybe five miles a line with baited hooks. And you're catching ling. And uh, big fish that you could take back and salt and dry on the beach. And then they would be traded and exported, usually to Spain and places like that, salt fish. So the, there was a huge trade of that. And I, I think at that time, maybe 500 small boats around Shetland going off fishing. And it was a summer mm. fishery, just with the weather conditions. So that was, okay. that was where they got the skills of handling the small boats. Yeah. Um, but I suppose that doesn't get, that that fishery doesn't carry on if everyone's left to go whaling. No, that was a a big thing because in those times, then you were under the, the rule of these lairds in Scotland, landowners, and you fished for the laird, and uh, 
your farm was owned by the laird, so it was this barter system, so there was very little option to come ahead if uh, earn your own money. So the one option was to go to the Greenland whaling, and people could earn money independent of the laird. And it actually got to the stage they put in a quota system. You're only allowed to take so many men from Orkney and Shetland. <laughs> and I wow. think it was like two or three men per 50 ton uh, ship. So it was actually a quota. So maybe up to 20 men was the maximum on some of the big ships. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's how it... Uh, and also the Navy, they were competing with the Navy for crew. Huh. So they were suddenly, the Navy was getting short of men. Because they had the old press gang days, which... Which, uh, they weren't very popular around here. No. So. Yeah, no. I mean, you don't don't get to spend much time on your on your island if you're if you're a proper Shetlander. You're you're away. Yeah, no. That's and that's almost continued. They went in beyond the the fisheries of the half fishing. Then you went into cod fishing and the herring, so, and then a lot of people went to the merchant navy and they spent a long times away, six months away, a year away, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about how connected these isolated places are. You might think of Orkney or Shetland as being as being particularly isolated at the time, but because they were on these sea routes, because they were on these fishing roads and the and and the whaling ships, they were. They, it's the opposite of being isolated. They're being hassled all the time by people who come in past trying to get them to go on their ships. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you had uh, literally hundreds of fishing boats in the harbour here. Uh, at some some periods, the Dutch fishery used to. They say at uh, Amsterdam was built on the back of Bresa, which is the Bresi fishing bank. And uh, then it was set up as a trading post down there for going in, fish going into Europe. But the fish was caught off, off of Shetland here. And Lerwick Harbour actually grew up around the Dutch fishery. And it was a tra- became a trading post and the locals traded with the Dutch here. It was burnt down several times the <laughs> in Lerwick. <laughs> Because the, they said it was a, a place of ill repute and bad things happened there and so on. And they didn't, <laughs> this was in the early days of Lerwick. Yeah. So many great stories to, to discover. Yeah, they said you could nearly walk from one side of the harbour to the other on the boats. There were so many, maybe 800 boats in. Wow. Yeah, and, and this migration of people, then you go on to the, the herring fishing, and that's kind of the big boom at the... That's in the early 20th century. You would maybe get ten or fifteen thousand people arriving in Shetland just to work with the herring, and a lot of them were coming from England and Scotland. So the, yeah. we're, there's this kind of history of seafaring and uh, exchange of people. So very cosmopolitan. It's the scale place. of it, isn't it? It's the scale of it that's disguised. And you talk about you know how many people are coming in to work on the herring and how many people are involved in, in the boats. And I think, you know, nowadays where you, you can have such smaller crews operating enormous ships is that you, you forget just the sheer scale of, of employment and, and industry that's going on around, around coasts, around, around, you know, places which are, which are meccas for fishing. No, it's, and it's very difficult as historians to kind of help anyone even recreate that. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to even today, if you know you're sitting in Larwick and you can imagine that uh, influx of people every year. So the whalers, I, I suppose, are, are musical. They've left a bit of a musical legacy there that's continued. I could play you one tune. It's a kind of a, a I'd say, a bonny tune. It's a, called the Greenland Man's Tune. And it's quite atmospheric. They said there was Greenlandic words for it at one time, but um, 
they don't know them anymore, but the melody is it's a really lovely melody. I'll see if I can see if I can play a bit to you. Um, quite atmospheric. You can imagine being up at the North Ice with this. There's a lot of tunes in the Shetland fiddle tradition that are related to the sea. You, you hear the, in the tune titles, the new rigged ship, full rigged ship. There's the there's one called Up the Strudes the Sailor Goes. And there's other tunes that are linked to the fishing, like uh, the Nippin Ground, which is uh, a fishing ground. And there's another one just called the New Ground, the new fishing ground again. And there's one, the Anduin at the bow. And Anduin is a Shetland word for if you're trying to row gently, keeping the boat in position at a point, or at a bow or at a, a buoy. So there's, yeah, lots of tunes uh, in the tradition like that. There's one called Kanathapa the Humley Band. A Humley Band is a Shetland word for, it's instead of using a rowlock, then you would uh, you have a cabe, it's a piece of wood, and then a, a rope that you put the oar through, and that's called the Humley Band. So yeah, there's lots of lots of tunes in the tradition linked to the sea. The four foot of the ship. <laughs> that's another one. The four head of the sixering. Yeah, there's there's many many tunes. Um, it's so atmospheric, um, and as you say, you know, it needs to be up in the northern ice. Um, and it's interesting, you know, with 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 the uh, with global warming, with the the ice ice melting away, there's going to be less and less opportunity to um, to to put the ice and the music together. 
Yeah, certainly when I was up there, that was a, to a topic that was quite widely discussed. Uh, they certainly, the, the people living there, they said they'd never seen a harsh winter. Young people there. They used to, we used to get, they said, regular minus 40. So it's rarely is it minus, less than minus 20. And it's mm. a very different kind of cold. You get a damp cold and it, compared with the, when you get down to those really low temperatures. So the ice was never forming as thick. And the, the fishermen there, in the summer, then they're out fishing in their line fishing in boats. And then in the winter, they go out in the ice and make a hole, catch the fish. And it was becoming dangerous. That actually, it wasn't strong enough. You couldn't go out with a boat and it was too dangerous to go out and fish on the ice. So it was quite a serious issue for folks just going about what had been their normal traditional industries. Yeah, yeah. Well, it feels like we should we should uh, spread the word of this wonderful music as as, as much as we can. Um, how easy is it for you to find out about these Greenland tunes? How are they recorded? Well, in Shetland, we're lucky because we've had it handed down from fiddle player to fiddle player. But... Um, I really didn't expect to find any evidence of fiddle players in Greenland um, recording in Shetland. Our archives only go back really but maybe the 1950s or there's some collectors that wrote things down in the 40s. But actually I went to the archives in Copenhagen and there, there were collectors that went up there that when they went with expedition ships and they had all the latest scientific equipment, photography, plates, you know, that you can see the high quality photos they took, but they also had sound recording equipment. And this is 1905, 1906. And among all the vast archive they have of mostly Greenlandic song and dance, uh, 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 drum, drum dances, then there were some snippets and real gems of fiddle music. And it must have been just the, there was a dance going on and they stuck on and recorded a couple of tunes. And listening to that, to, to me as a Shetland fiddle player, I could immediately uh, recognise the style. They could easily have been a, a fiddle player that was playing on a stage or in a hall here in Shetland. And um, I, there's a couple of tracks that we, we can play an example. Uh, a tune called Soldier's Joy, which is one of those universal tunes that you find has travelled all over the world among fiddle mm -hmm. traditions. And... What uh, struck me with the recording was how good the fiddle player was. Obviously, really accomplished fiddle player and uh, tremendous energy and drive with the playing. And you think this is, I think that there's a couple of recordings, there's a really old one at 1906, but there's an, another slightly better quality one for the 1930s. And obviously, they were still playing fiddle uh, up there then. And accordion, other instruments came in, melodion came in as well in the early 1900s. So there's some recordings of Melodian players. Yeah. And they I've could always wanted come to from be able a, to play the Melodian. <laughs> come from a, yeah, it's great uh, British tradition of Melodian music. And imagine just came up with the whalers. Yeah, So yeah, Fantastic. we could play an example of that. So for you listeners there, this is uh, the archive clip that Morris has just been talking about. <laughs> Thank you. 
Morris, thank you so much for talking to me today. I've absolutely loved it, and I'm sure I'm going to be back. In fact, I'm going to come to Shetland. I've just decided. I'm going to yeah, come and meet you. Well, if you're going to do anything on the half fishing, uh, yep. some story about that and the inshore, we call it inshore here, but it's, they went 20 to 40 miles off in an open boat in the Atlantic. <laughs> but uh, Great. The deep half fishing actually half means deep sea, the half. Huh. So if you're in Norway, half is the deep sea. So uh, yeah, right. I would say recommend that. And I, I we have a sixer in here. You can go off sailing in in the summer. Right. Well, so, I'm in. I'm going to do that. So everyone who's listening, stand by. Uh, there's going to be some videos on YouTube and some audio podcasts. I'm going to go and meet Morris and Shetland. Can't wait. Sounds great. Thank you all so much for listening. And if you are as inspired by Morris as I was, please go and buy his book. It's called In Search of Willafjord, published by the Shetland Times. You can also listen to the wonderful music of his band, Hultadans. That's www.hultadans.com. They're a group of not only Morris, but some of the finest of Shetland's other folk musicians as well. Now, do please follow the Society for Nautical Research on social media. You can find links to everything we do at the Society for Nautical Research's website, snr.org.uk. And do in particular check out the Mariner's Mirror podcast YouTube channel, where we are introducing some innovative ways of presenting our maritime past, not least with some fantastic animations that come alive from ship plans. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And so do keep Keep in touch so that you don't miss out. For those with an active interest in maritime research, also check out our free forum on the Society's website. It's now a massive and impressive miscellany of all things maritime. But above all, if you enjoy this podcast and everything else we do, please show your support by joining the Society. It doesn't cost very much at all, but your annual fee will go towards publishing the most important maritime history and towards preserving our maritime past. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.